0: It's Saturday, April the 23rd, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, catch up. Zelensky warns that Russia will invade other countries and tensions over G20 membership. First, the week in brief. Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, said that Russia will not stop at invading Ukraine and intends to attack other countries. In his nightly address, Mr. Zelensky cited the comments of Russia's Major General Rostam Minyetkev, who said that Russia aims to seize all of southern and eastern Ukraine and open a route to Transnistria, a separatist region of Moldova. Moldova's foreign ministry expressed, quote, deep concern over the comments. Canada's finance minister said that the G20, a club of mostly rich countries, cannot function without Russia as a member. This week, International Monetary Fund and World Bank meetings in Washington have been marked by protests against Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Meanwhile, the United Nations Secretary-General, Antonio Guterres, announced that he will meet Russia's President, Vladimir Putin, in Moscow next Tuesday. Shanghai reported 12 new COVID-19 deaths on Friday, up from 11 the day before. Up until this week, the government had been claiming that no one had died from the virus in the city since March, despite a widespread outbreak and strict lockdown. Officials are heavily censoring dissatisfaction expressed by Shanghai residents online. The European Union agreed on new digital regulations that mean online giants like Google and Meta, previously Facebook, will have to do more to police illegal content on their platforms. If they don't, they risk fines of billions of dollars. Ursula von der Leyen, the president of the European Commission, called the Digital Services Act a, quote, historic piece of legislation. At least 33 people were killed and 43 wounded in a bombing at a mosque and religious school in Imam Sahib, a town in northern Afghanistan. No one claimed immediate responsibility. On Friday, a local affiliate of Islamic State said it was behind a series of deadly explosions the previous day, largely targeting the Shiite Muslim minority. Medics said at least 57 Palestinians were injured in clashes with Israeli police at the Al-Aqsa Mosque compound in Jerusalem. Police reportedly fired tear gas, rubber bullets and stun grenades at a crowd of people, some of whom were throwing rocks. The overlap of Ramadan and Passover this year brought Jewish and Muslim worshippers to the compound, which is a holy site for both religions. The furore follows a month of escalating violence. Indonesia banned exports of palm oil, which is widely used in cooking and packaged foods, in a move that may well push up global food prices further. The country accounts for more than half of the world's palm oil supply. Indonesia's president, Joko Widodo, said he wanted to ensure that the cooking oil remains quote, abundant and affordable at home, where prices have rocketed. And word of the week. Wang Hong a Chinese word roughly meaning, quote, viral, or, quote, internet famous, with a hint of tackiness. And now, here's today's agenda. The Battle for Donbass The next phase of Russia's war in Ukraine began on April 18th, with heavy shelling and probing attacks along the front lines in Donbass a contested region in the country's east. On Friday, a Russian general said that the aim was not just to seize Donbass in its entirety, but to establish control over Ukraine's southern coastline, all the way to Moldova. That looks like a stretch. According to American officials, Ukraine now has more tanks in the country than Russia does, thanks to supplies of old T-72s from eastern European NATO countries. The battle for Donbass will play out on more open terrain than around Kyiv, the capital, meaning traditional artillery duels and armor clashes. Quote, the fighting will be very intense, says a senior NATO official. It will look a lot like World War II. A Boxing Scandal In boxing, the build-up to the fight can be as breathless as the brawl itself yet the mood has been muted ahead of the World Boxing Council heavyweight clash between Tyson Fury and Dillian White, two Britons, on Saturday at Wembley Stadium in London. The explanation lies in America's imposition of sanctions on Daniel Kinahan, the Irish co-founder of MTK Global, a boxing agency that represents more than 300 fighters, including Mr Fury. Mr Kinahan has been accused of overseeing a quote, murderous drug cartel, a charge he denies. Mr Fury has said Mr Kinehan's presence in boxing is none of his business. Several other promoters have faced similar allegations. In fact, boxing has a long, sour history of association with crime. It does not help that the sport has four governing bodies, each pursuing its own interests. A single one, ...would have more incentive to maintain the reputation of the sport as a whole. The Northman cometh. Robert Eggers specialises in stylishly weird, horror-tinged historic dramas. That might explain why the American writer-director's first two films... ...The Witch 2015 and The Lighthouse 2019 were cult favourites rather than box office smashes. His third, an action-packed, star-studded revenge epic, is more of a crowd-pleaser. Alexander Skarsgård plays Amleth, a brooding Viking prince who plots retribution after his uncle, Clays Bang, murders the king, Ethan Hawke, and marries the queen, Nicole Kidman. The plot and the hero's name may ring a bell. Mr Eggers and his co-writer, Shion, an Icelandic poet, borrowed their story from the same Norse legend that inspired Hamlet. Indeed, the Northman has Shakespearean elements, including a soothsaying witch, Björk, and the skull of a jester, played by Willem Dafoe. But he warned, not even Titus Andronicus contains as many graphic, grisly murders. Weekend Profile Cecilia Alamani, Curator of the Venice Biennale. She may be the first Italian woman to curate the main exhibition at the Venice Biennale, but Cecilia Alamani's tastes range far beyond her own country. Her show, which opens on Saturday, takes its title, The Milk of Dreams, from a children's book by Leonora Carrington, a British surrealist painter who lived in Mexico City. The exhibition features well over 200 artists from 58 countries, ranging from Brazil to Zimbabwe. Most have never been seen in Venice before. Miss Alamani, the granddaughter of an art history teacher, grew up wanting to be an archaeologist. But at 17, working on a dig, she discovered that it was, quote, less Indiana Jones and more forced labour. Instead, she studied philosophy and aesthetics in Milan, and went on to work at a gallery there. But finding the Italian art world hidebound and hierarchical, in 2003 she moved to New York, and completed a degree in curatorial studies at Bard College. Miss Alamani soon caught the eye of museum directors. In 2008, still in her early 30s, she was tapped to run an exhibition space in the former Dyer Centre in Manhattan's Chelsea neighborhood. She later worked for the Friar's Art Fair. Since 2011, she has organized exhibitions at the High Line in New York, featuring artists as diverse as El Anatsuzi, Faith Ringgold, and Ed Ruscha. Rather than navigate an institution, Miss Alamani likes working as an independent curator. This, she told an interviewer, offers a quote, sense of freedom coupled with a rigid self-discipline and a good dose of independence. Her biennale explores the relationship between humans, technology and nature, and foregrounds women artists, who make up 80-90% to of those on display. Miss Alamani won the Venice job in January 2020, just before COVID-19 hit. The pandemic delayed the biennale by a year. Rather than constrain her though, It offered new questions to interrogate. What, Miss Alamani asks, is our responsibility towards each other and the planet? What would life look like without us? Her show is steeped in history, even as it scours the world in search of what artists are thinking about humanity's future. Mexico's President on the Backfoot Handing back control of Mexico's electricity sector to a state-owned company was meant to be part of President Andrés Manuel López Obrador's legacy. But on April 17th, he failed to secure the legislative supermajority he needed to amend the constitution and prioritise power generated by the state. Though he may still get some piecemeal energy reforms enacted, the defeat was a big blow. The setback also throws into doubt Two other constitutional amendments that Mr. López Obrado wants to make in the last two years of his six-year term, both of which require supermajorities. One is to put the National Guard, a militarised police force he created, under the control of the Defence Ministry. Enough opposition lawmakers may yet be won over for that, but Mr. López Obrado's hopes of changing Mexico's electoral system and the body that presides over it, now seem unlikely to pass. Like Mexico's energy sector, Mr. Lopez Obrado's agenda now faces great uncertainty. The winners of this week's quiz. Thank you to everyone who took part in this week's quiz. The winners chosen at random from each continent were Asia, Lena Bodevine Singapore, North America, Tanya Lopez, Veracruz, Mexico. Central and South America, Martin Whittle, Sao Paulo, Brazil. Europe, Arvid Skalgen, Hamburg, Germany. Africa, Elsa Green, Choma, Zambia. Oceania, Verstein Yazdan Parats, Lane Cove, Australia. They all gave the correct answers of Mold, Neil Patrick Harris, Rum, Vanilla Sky and Lewis Hamilton. The theme is Hebridean Islands, Mull, Harris, Rum, Skye, and Lewis. Finally, here's the quote of the day from William Shakespeare, who died on this day in 1616. What is past is prologue.